And welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And I am Jessica Trezero. And this week we are looking at... A a Star is Born. Star is Born, yeah. But we did realize that right before we were doing it that there are four. We thought there were three. So we decided to only do two. I can't believe that this fucking story was like... Four, four times. Four times. Yeah. And each time it was nominated fucking like Oscars and shit yeah. like that. Every fucking time because Hollywood loves this story and I think it's trash. Yeah. Hollywood loves the idea of stardom and celebrity and the rising of a young star. Because so. they see themselves in it. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Representation and all that stuff. It's like representation oh matters. God. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> what? This is new information to me. <laughs> but. Wow. Yeah, so we looked at the Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson 1976 version, as well as the most recent Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, uh, A Star is Borns. Yeah. A, a Star is Our Borns. Stars Are Borns. Star, yeah. How are Stars Borns? How are Stars Born? How are star, <laughs> how are stars born? <laughs> I did not well. do well on astrology. <laughs> oh, astronomy! No! <laughs> Why did I do that? Uh, I didn't do well in either, apparently. I didn't either. I wish uh, that I could like be like, oh, well, actually, no. Yeah. It wasn't my shit. Me neither. I just <laughs> did it for the GE so I could be done. But anyways, what do we have to say before just jumping into it? Oh, my God. I just, I still can't fucking get over the fact that this has been remade so many times. I know. Like, I guess like the first one was not a musical. I think it was like the 30s or something. Yeah, I think. And then there was the Judy Garland one mm-hmm. and when they turned it into a musical and then Barbara Streisand decided that she, because she's the executive producer on that film. Oh, okay. So she decided that she had to make this film yeah. and and then it was Bradley Cooper that was like, this is my story. I'm Jackson Maine. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, like, I I wonder, and, like, uh, there's a lot that, there's a lot to say about these films. But, like, I wonder how much of these stars wanting to make this was because they felt some sort of connection or because they saw themselves in this or whatever. We'll get into it. But, yeah. man, there's so much to say. Yeah. I, I, I do think that, like... The fact that it's been retold so many times is because they see themselves in it. And also, for Hollywood, it's kind of a timeless story. For Hollywood. Obviously, it's, a, it's not like I'm vouching for the story itself. But in a Hollywood sense that, like, stars come and go and, like, it will still resonate as long as there is celebrity. I think so. But I think more than that, it will stay because they want people, like, normal-ass people to think that they have a shot. Yeah. Or to think that they can make it. Yeah. And... I have kind of a lot of problems with that. It's like, of, it's like the lottery. With that sort of narrative. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, it's like you're going to be discovered seeing it at a gas station or something, you know, which I yeah. think was Tony Braxton. That's how she was discovered or something. Oh, okay. I don't know. I think that sometimes the these kinds of narratives are more harmful just because, like, it takes a lot of fucking hard work to get anywhere. Oh, the idea of instant success as a means of, like, false hope. Yeah. And, yeah. like, you know, it, especially, like... I mean, in both of these, the woman was able to, like, skip step one through 600 because she had, like, a famous boyfriend. Yeah. What is that perpetuating and what is that trying to say? Like, overall, like... Nepotism works. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, not (laughs) really nepotism, but, like, some kind of hierarchical of 
favoritism, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's all about who you know is what it's saying. I and mean, yeah. I mean, that is kind of true. Yeah. Uh, but it, it just, it sucks. Yeah. And okay. we're both musicians, so I feel like this is going to be good. Oh, this is going to be great. Cool. Okay, let's start it. Woo! A Star is Born, 1976. John Norman, a famous violent rock star asshole, finds his career drying up due to addiction and self-obsession. One night after a concert, he stumbles into a bar where local talent, the Oreos, are performing. After causing a scene and getting the bar shut down for the night, John Norman corrals the lead singer, Esther Hoffman, into his car, and after a series of subsequent predatory behaviors and sexual harassment, she agrees to go to his show. A love story happens and now they're married? John helps Esther become famous, but overcome by jealousy, he drives further into his addiction and self-sabotage. A bunch of shit happens. Then he drives his car into the rising sun at 160 miles an hour, listening to his wife's single on the radio and a beer in hand. Unable to handle the weight of his wife's fame, he intentionally crashes his car, killing himself. Esther sings a song. The The end. Oh, the end. end. Yeah. So, okay. I just want to, off the top, first thing I want to say, men need to keep their fucking hands to themselves. Uh-huh. That's like, so just first thing from this fucking movie, men need to stop fucking touching women when they're not, like, just keep your hands to yourself. Just keep your, just like, stop. You can use your words. Use your words. Use your speech. Talk. Ask questions. Say things. Keep your hands to yourself. Keep them to yourself. Well, and a lot of the time, too, it was, like, really patronizing the way they were. Like, it wasn't It wasn't even necessarily, like, sexual, even though there was some, like, there was a lot of that, too. But, like, it was like, oh, sweetie, you're going to go over here. And so it was, like, you know, kind of like the power dynamic thing. And it was really gross and uncomfortable. And, like, you can even see Esther, Barbara Streisand's character, at, like, one point, she's just kind of, like, super uncomfortable with it. But, like, other than that, it's not really questioned or it's not anything. I have a really fucking big problem with the way that this film reinforces harmful stereotypes about men and women and how men can't talk about their feelings and women want men to fight them and all this other stuff. And so it's normalizing violence and blatant disregard for holding men accountable for their actions. Yes. And even, like, questioning their actions. And it's just super patronizing and it's extremely frustrating and it's even more frustrating because barbara streisand wanted this fucking movie to be made why did you want it to be made like this there's certain scenes where she uh, apparently kicked the director out of the room because she's like no 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 this is how this is gonna go so she had so much control over this but then looking at this it was just like what the fuck even you're reiterating this idea of male ownership of women you're 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 continuing this trope of Men shouldn't be held accountable for their actions. Women are combative. And they want to be. And they, they, they want to fight. I want somebody who can fight. Esther leaves her husband because he wouldn't fight her. What is that saying? That's saying that she wants violence or that she wants to be yelled at or she wants. It's not even about passion. It's not even framed in the sense of like he didn't have passion. It's he wouldn't fight me. Yeah. And then she like uh, berates John Norman at some point And she's just like, fight me. Fight me. When he's like really down on himself and she's just like, you won't even fucking fight me. Like you don't don't care about me you enough to y- fight me it's fight me not fight for me the first time when she says she left her husband because he wouldn't fight her i think there's an inclination to assume that it's like verbalize or like vocal fighting like argue she wants to argue and it's like this perpetuating this idea of like let's not have a conversation let's just fucking yell at each other which is like 
queen stop like Mm -hmm. chill but then when she's like why wouldn't you fight me the next time it's when she catches him cheating with the reporter and then they're in the ballroom and she's like fuck you you fucking suck like i hate you so much and then he just like is like holding her like she's pushing him and he's not doing anything she's like why aren't you fucking fighting me and that's where i'm like oh you're looking for violence you want to hit him and you want him to hit you what why was this the choice for esther why does she want that she wants she wants to be treated like shit emotionally and physically. And I have a huge problem with that. Because there were so many points where, like, John Norman, why the fuck are you with John Norman? And why, like, every single time she can only say John Norman. She can't just say fucking John. <laughs> I'm like, why are you with this dude? You saw him. Be- like, your introduction was, like, him getting in a fucking fist fight. Yeah. Like, and ruining your show. At so many points, like, he is so violent. And then that line, I just keep going back to that line. And I'm like... This is what she wants. This is what this character wants. She wants a violent man because she's mistaking that for passion or for like some like and that's reading way too much into this because it it was not it was just so fucking surface level and I fucking hate it. Same. Because honestly, at least if they had some sort of um, scene that had something to do with how her parents fought and it's sort of like this inherited idea of what love is and the sort of cyclical abuse and like that kind of thing where she's like, I'm trying to overcome this thing. I would have been like, hell yeah, that look at, look, there's a theme. There's a theme about inherited trauma. There's, there's a, there's a conversation about abusers and there's a conversation about abuse. Like, yeah, cool. We had that scene, but no, that never happens. There's never anything. There's not even a moment, a conversation that implies anything other than the fact that she's like, hit me. Or fight me, yeah. or attack me, or yell at me. It's like, why? What? What do you? What do you like, mean? What the fuck are you saying? What are you saying? Like, and, <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of like this entire movie was just like there was so many points where it was like, wait, what are you saying? Both figuratively and literally, because the sound on this film was so fucking bad, yeah. you couldn't tell what was being said at any given point. Like for the first half of the film, yeah. right? And like, I'm so glad I had the captions on, right? It was just especially bad. I had to like pause and like think and like, wait, what the fuck happened? And then like the songs were terrible. The like, it just, (laughs) and also John Norman can't fucking sing. That was the most, like anytime he was doing anything, it was so fucking atrocious (laughs) that I just wanted it to be done, but they had to go through the whole fucking song. Drag Chris Christopherson. And then what are you saying (laughs) about like addiction and depression and mental health and all of this? It's just, it felt like there was no fucking direction direction and they didn't know what they were trying to do or what they wanted to like it, it was just the biggest fucking fucking mess there was it was a movie that wanted to talk about so many things but ended up talking about nothing True. like they're opening the door to all these conversations but they're never actually walking into the room they're like and here we have our room of this and let's keep walking down the hallway and now here's this but there's like they're not talking about it. They're just showing it like this is an idea. This thing exists. Okay, what do you have to say about it? Oh, what do you mean? But while and while <laughs> doing do that, they decide that they're going to not dive into those things that are there that they can, like you yeah. said, right? But instead, let's cut to where 
he's on a fucking motorcycle and like gets himself in the hospital like four fucking times and let's have him just shoot a fucking gun at a helicopter like those are the things that they choose to show because they want us to be sure that he is a violent man and we know that this is what esther wants and i was just like (laughs) this is what you show this is what you decide to like oh my god so it's the idea that she wants like a bad boy but the only thing that's bad about him is that he's bad at communicating his feelings. Oh my that's God. the only thing that's bad. Everything else is just immaturity ad nauseum. It's just like this constant reiterative. He doesn't know how to process feelings. He doesn't know how to process uh, external pressure, structure, anything. The only thing he knows how to do is react. He's very reactionary and that reaction is violent. So like that helicopter is there instead of just being like, fucking leave or go inside or go somewhere else he pulls out a gun and starts shooting at the helicopter which is some news broadcaster which i get is like an invasion of privacy but like fuck off you're gonna kill somebody over this like calm down and then the whole motorcycle bullshit where he's like that second concert the first time esther shows up he like second song in just goes to the back because he's like i want you to come on stage she's like fuck you i'm not going on stage with you what am i gonna do no i'm not gonna sing he's like whatever and then some guy's like hey my motorcycle he's like I can have it. He's like, you can have it. And then he writes After on stage. kissing him. Kissing him on the mouth. Oh, yeah. Which I'm like, queen. I was yeah, like, we love sure. It. Yeah, yeah, go for it, guys. I, I, like, <laughs> I made a note about that. Right. <laughs> so then he like drives it on stage and was like, what the fuck? And then he crashes it into a bunch of full stacks and the concert's over. Like two songs in. The concert's over. He rode the motorcycle in. And it's like, he is so reactive and reactionary. Nothing in his world matters even though he claims to care about everything and care about her the most right he cares about his he cares about all this stuff he's so bad at communicating his feelings that his world essentially falls apart and then his fame declines and he gets mad about it well and i think a lot of that too is because there's never a point where he's questioned or where he has to fess up for what he's done so we know that he treats the people that are close to him like shit right and the people that are the closest to him like dog shit right but like look at what he does to his fans all of his interactions with them are like making them wait two hours to watch him perform two songs (laughs) so he can it's like a brian's jonestown massacre thing right what's anton gonna do yeah and people are pissed you know but they still come out and they're still stoked on this and everything and it's like he's just so mad and I don't understand why. And then, like, the people that, that he surrounds himself with, right? Like, you know, they're all very yes and. They never are, like, uh, like maybe one person, I think, was, like, you're fucking up, right? Yeah. But then that same person, specifically the one that, like, was giving him all the drugs with, like, the shag haircut and whatever. Um, but Gary he, Busey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary, Gary Busey. Busey, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Gary we, fucking Busey. <laughs> we both know that I don't know actors' names. It's a thing. So but if you haven't seen this movie, it's Gary Busey. <laughs> it's Gary Busey, yeah. Um, anyways, so um, <laughs> this same dude that's like complaining that he's not sober is yeah. the same dude that's giving him cocaine before he goes on stage. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like... Everybody wants to say that he's not doing well or whatever, but they are also enabling the behavior and not actually, like, holding him accountable for everything or anything at all. Which I think leads to the conversation about, like... Even his cab driver! Like, he's just like, oh, do you want to, like, oh, well, I think the night is young. I'm going to take you to a bar. Like, oh. "Oh." Even And then even Gary Busey, who's the one who's giving him cocaine, is like, you should go to bed. You need some sleep. And he's like, nah. You should come with me. And he's like, okay. (laughs) And you're like, what? Yeah. So I think that like part of that whole conversation was like, 
the visual idea that celebrities or stars are not people they are products Mm -hmm. to be sold so it's like his manager or whatever wants him to give the best performance he's like hey do a bump real quick to go out there so you're like energetic you're tired like here's some energy go out there and perform like so that i think that this movie thought it was so because again it's it's a it's a movie by hollywood for hollywood that celebrates this idea of celebrity so i think I think they thought <laughs> that a conversation about how the machine of Hollywood, the machine of show business is so toxic towards famous people. And they were like, can you believe that? Like, no wonder people have problems like this. Like, I, I think it was trying to tell this, this very shallow idea <laughs> that like, kind of woe is me. My life is so hard. Look at all these people who treat me poorly. And like, my life is kind of a mess. Like, have pity for celebrity. Because it's hard. I didn't necessarily get that same vibe because the only person that's suffering in this whole film is just him. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, the only reason that Esther ends up suffering is because of him. And the band, like, moves on and, like, is now instead of whatever, their speedway or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, like, but, uh, everybody else is thriving in this. Nobody else is, and they're, they're all looking at him like, what a fucking joke. So I'm not sure that that's what they're trying to say. Or maybe, like, they're, they're trying to say, like, because he's not become, he's not relevant anymore. Maybe that's where that's in. So maybe that's like, uh, it's hard. Hard when you're not as popular anymore yes. or something like that. So 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 that's kind of where I was getting at the idea of like you're useful until you're not. Mm-hmm. Right? So this system uses you until you're useless. Like till we no longer have a need for you. You no longer make us money, therefore you're irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And and like the sort of psychosis of like the jealousy that entails from seeing other people have what you had or the struggle with addiction that came with performing where people would give you these things and you're now like that's how what you need to perform and what you need to live. Not to give them any credit in that regard, but part of me feels like that might have been the story they were trying to that tell. Was super subtext. But sure, this movie needs something because there was. Because what else nothing. are they talking about? What else is that? like? This, <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying to dig at something here because that because that to me even that story I don't give a shit about. Like, cool, no. great. Everyone's got shit. It's Everyone's hard got struggles. It's to be famous and then to not be famous. It's hard to be oh rich. It's hard to be famous. It's hard to have everything. Shut up. I don't care. But part of me thinks because it's like a movie for celebrities, it's a movie about celebrities for celebrities, that that's the story they're trying to tell. Like, look how hard it is for us. And then the other people who see that, they're like, wow, it is hard for us, isn't it? Like, that's... Well, and clearly, like, that's <laughs> why they wanted to to remake this movie so Four many times, times right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it'll probably be a fifth. And it's like, like every sure. 20 years, they're going to remake this movie. I'm calling it right fucking now. Yeah. But, like, it's because, like, they see themselves and their struggle in that. Yes. You know, so I think it would have been really interesting to see the other two. Maybe one day we'll do it. I don't know. But, like, just from what we got in this one and the next one, I was just like, this is for you. And that's great. But, yeah. like, what the fuck? It's a a very D-rate celebration of stardom, of fame. Yeah. The story really didn't say anything else except Mm-mm. from that. Nothing ever paid off. Nothing happened. <laughs> this movie, Nothing happened to this movie. <laughs> nothing happened. Our lives weren't enriched. No. Um, and don't watch this movie. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I want to talk about, um, since we're on the subject of Jackson. Wait, no, sorry. That's the next one. This isn't Jackson Maine. What's his name? 
John Norman. Sorry. John Norman. God, I don't know why the fuck they changed the names. But I want to talk a little bit about how he hits on Esther and how fucking disgusting it is. Oh, let's just go over how shitty so, every man in this film so, is. So, <laughs> okay. So he insults her by saying she talks a lot when she, like, every anytime she tries to get real with him, mm-hmm. right? And, like, ask him. They have that opportunity to get more into it, right? And then, like, he shuts down just like a, any other man, right? And then, like any other dude, he, like, compares her voice to fishing, because that's how you hit on a woman by whatever. <laughs> um, but like he, some of the ways that he talks to her or compliments her are, I like your eyes. You got a pretty mouth. You got a great ass. You live alone. Close up on her ass, right? Uh, are you married? Like, I love that you have a last name because, uh, every other girl I've known for the past year hasn't. Like, I'm sorry. He literally used the line, you got a pretty mouth when he like first met her and was walking her. Like this is the first interaction after the bar, after she's corralled into his fucking car, right? He follows her up the stairs, like basically saying like, I want to fuck like right now. Like he uses those words and she's like, no, 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 I don't think so. Thanks. Shuts the door. And then he's like, cool. I'll be back in the morning. You know, she's like, fine. I'll make breakfast, whatever. Just get the fuck away. Cause she clearly does not want this. He comes back the next morning with pizza. And I had a real big problem with that because it was just like, I knew you weren't going to cook. Like, I'm sorry. <sighs> like, so you're, she clearly doesn't want you here. You're like pushing on the, and, and then he's like, I have the biggest problem because he's rewarded with all this, right? So he gets her, right? And so, okay, she's happy now and she's a wife and all this other stuff, right? Then he pushes her to, like, he finishes one of her songs. He pushes her to record. He pushes her to perform. He pushes her to do this. And the only reason this, that like, Esther, who are one of her first songs, like her first introduction, we see her. It's a song where she's singing about how she wants everything. She wants to learn all of the languages and she wants to do all of the things and learn how to do all this stuff. And she wants like this really empowering song about like her ambition, right? Yeah. The only reason she's able to get anything is because of him, right? Because he like gives her all of this stuff and because he pushes her. She doesn't get there on her own. Yeah. Because her whole world then becomes him and she's wrapped up in him to where she's like, you're everything. You're all of this. You're all this. And her ambition is just gone because it's now all of a sudden her ambition is making sure that he's okay. Yeah. Well, it's and also his egos intact. If we look at exactly where this started, how they meet at the club, he shows up ruins her performance just a fight breaks out because he's talking the whole time arguing that he wants to bring his bottle and they're like we have a soft liquor license you can't he have was an asshole to that server he was he's like they're, they're like you can't have that here i can get you tea beer or wine and he's like no i want this fuck you do you know who i am no i'm keeping this like causing a scene and she notices it whatever a fight breaks out show's over cool so he's ruined the performance for her for whatever reason she decides to go up to him and is like hey I can sneak you out the back so you don't have to deal with this. Like, you ruined my night. Let me help you now. He could give less of a shit. And then they get to the car and he's like, here, get in my car. And she's like, what? He's like, get in. She's like, okay. And that's when he's like, oh, you're pretty. I didn't see you inside, but now I see you. Do you want to fuck? And, and then she get, they get to the house and then he says all that stuff. And then he says that thing the next morning. And then she's kind of arguing that she's like, quote unquote, not like other girls, or she's like self-empowered and self-fulfilled and like nothing, like she's going to get what she wants because she's strong enough. 
why is she inviting this absolute piece of trash person and allowing him to be this like dude shut the fucking door like hey thanks for the ride i'm home it was because of that one throwaway line, which is what this whole fucking movie comes down to, is that he wouldn't fight me. Yeah, I want somebody who will fight. And that is the bad... whole reason. <sighs> it's terrible. It's so bad. It's and so I bad. have such a big problem with it. Again, because like she was so ambitious and everything. And then just to see her get everything because, like, yes, he gives it to her. But, like, not only does he – he's not like, here's this opportunity. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. And then takes it. Like, she has to be pushed out of her comfort zone every time. Like, he, like, almost, like, physically fucking pushes her on stage and, like, yeah. pushes her to perform and pushes her to do all this stuff. And, like, she never does it on her own terms or in her own time. No. And I really hate that. I don't know. Like, they didn't know what they were fucking doing with her character. And it was just so fucking jarring. Yeah. And then there was also just no accountability. On her on her end, the accountability of that sort of self-sufficient, she just, she was like, I'm waiting for him to say yes so I can get this next thing or do this next thing. Like, I need his permission to do anything like you were saying but then subsequently the treatment of women in general like not only just the touching but like when um gary Busey, his producer like they're in the studio he says a throwaway line about like your music has gone downhill and now you're recording a chick oh yeah like what a what a thing and so all that shit kind of gets thrown away and then even later when like He's being such an asshole and she's mad. He says it was like after he cheated on her. I tried to tell you it's no good with me. Cool. Again. So you suck and you're an absolute piece of shit. I tried to tell you it's your fault. It's your fault. I'm bad. You should have known that I was trouble. Yeah. You should have known that I wasn't good. Why did you say yes to me in the first place? You did this. Not me. I'm out. And you're like, go fuck yourself. Are you fucking kidding me? And when when he's caught cheating, right, with this reporter hippie girl that's in the pool that broke into their house and is like, hey, like, can I get an interview, like, with your wife? I'll give you anything. I'll I'll literally fuck you if you give me an interview with your wife. And then she's like, I'm really good. Like, you can call this person and ask if I'm good, right? And I'm like, oh, my God. And then, like, they're in bed and Esther walks in, sees them in bed, and he's like, just nonchalantly like hey she wants an interview yeah like it's like he's not even remorseful for what he did or anything and then like the the girl is like supposed to be like super trashed i think like stoned or whatever and she's just like oh hey like here i have a question she pulls out her recorder and like esther runs out of the room and she like looks at him and she's just like she didn't answer my question so another big problem i have with both of these movies there is never another female, like, on screen that is the friend that is anything. In this whole movie, it is just Esther, and then the other woman is, like, there's, there's like, some groupies or whatever, like, some, some background characters, but, like, the other woman is this groupie that's boning her husband, right? And then in the next one, too, it's the same thing. It's, I, there's... Yeah. No other women. It is like, you know, the the film is supposed to be, this is another film that is supposed to be about the woman and about whatever, but it's about the fucking dude. Like, just like Romeo and Juliet. I have so many notes on Romeo over here and Juliet just can't, she's just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's it. Yeah. Ugh. So frustrating. This, yeah. This movie, this movie sucks. <laughs> and it's really bad. It doesn't know what it wants to say. I don't care. So, 
Here's a fun idea. Barbara Streisand originally wanted Elvis to play that role real fucking bad. Like, she went to him and was like, hey, I want you for this, blah, 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 blah. Elvis was all fucking for it. And then his manager was like, pissed off that she didn't go to him first and so he like sabotaged the whole thing or whatever and Elvis didn't end up doing it but how different would this have been if this was Elvis like I think it would have been more comedic because Elvis is such a caricature that would have been bizarre that would have been very weird well, and then there was like a like again like going down the the list of like fun facts and everything. It's there's so many that's like this person was considered for the role and this person was considered and this person and and it's the same thing for the for the next iteration for the 2018. It's like Johnny Depp was considered and this person was considered and this person and this person and this person and this person. And it's like it feels like uh, I think Neil Diamond was also considered for this. Like, but like huh. all of these people again, Hollywood loves to see themselves in these fucking movies, yeah. and so of course they're on board for that stuff yeah like and you know it's it's just like i am so tired of this and it was also so successful it was the second highest grossing film in that fucking year everybody and their mother went to go see this fucking movie i I fully i i mean i fully believe that because i do think i mean obviously i believe it's like a fact (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs) i i believe that fact i believe it no but it tracks just in the sense that we love celebrity. And if we're going to have a conversation about the idea of instant stardom as sort of a fallacy or as a um, dangling treat for those who want success and want fame and how it can, quote unquote, happen in an instant for somebody, people love that shit. It's why we all play the lottery. It's why we all like, or like a lot of people play the lottery. It's why a lot of people wish and hope for that. I mean, like as a musician, for a long time, I thought that one day the right person's going to see me in the right way and say, you're it, kid. Let's go. And I'll be like, hell yeah. My day happened and here it is. I'm about to be successful and boom, I'm worth it. I had the same exact yeah. thought. And it's because of shit like this. It's that. It's the instantaneous fame like discovery. You're discovered. You're going to be discovered. People will discover you. You'll be discovered. The word discovery as this means of false hope, this means of... One day, this means of try, 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 because you'll never know who's out there watching. And, you know, sometimes that lucky shit happens. Sometimes the right person's in the right place at the right time, seeing the right people, and good on you. And other times, you could be working at it for, like, 20 fucking years. And, and it'll it, never come. And, like, you know, you'll still have the same people come to your show or whatever. Or, yeah. But, like, it really is time and place, and it's all fucking luck and all yeah. of that. And so, like, for people that have been playing music for a long time and all yeah. of this and been in all these bands and been touring and doing all the stuff, like, it's things like this type of media that I think are really skewing my perception of success yeah. and what success is. Yeah. And, uh, like, rather than being proud of the fact that I put out an album or rather than being proud of, of what I've done or, or you know, like, opening for this band that I opened for or doing, like, getting these opportunities, right? Like, rather than being proud of that, it's like, okay, cool. 
when am I going to make it? Or like, what's the next level of success? Or like, when when does this become profitable? Because like any kind of hobby like this, like is really expensive. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, <laughs> and, um, and it's like not only like monetarily expensive, it's also time wise, you know, like you give up a lot. It's to... also emotionally expensive. Oh, my God. I, I just <laughs> recently like burnt out super fucking hard. Yeah. Like I hit that wall so fucking hard. And, you know, it's like caused me to rethink a lot of stuff. And I, I think I had like a skewed perception of a lot of this stuff because of this type of media. So like watching this, I was just like, fuck this story. Yeah. Fuck everything about this because we all know that one in a million that can happen. But yeah. like, why can't we tell a story about like maybe a, like what's another version of success rather than making it to like Lady Gaga level? Yeah. Right. What's another version of success? And how can you feel fulfilled in that? I want to see somebody be fulfilled buy that or turn something down or i i want more of those stories and less of these stories but yes i want to see that 100 percent that but not none of that is as romantic as this and it's romanticizing this idea this false idea that this could happen and regularly does happen and the romance of it is exciting it's fantasy it's like that again not to excuse it and not to say that we need this because we don't and again the story sucks but I think generally we need to stop romanticizing these ideas as facts and, and seeing it as possibilities apart from what it just is generally, which is fantasy and oftentimes a scarcity. Like it doesn't happen often. It really doesn't. Seeing it for the fairy tale that it is. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. For the fairy tale that it is. And, and then which kind of goes into that sort of self-congratulatory celebrity of it all where like mm. these people have made it and they've done this and by stroke of luck or by hard work or some combination of the two, they're there and they want to see within themselves, man, that was just like me. Look at that. I'm seeing my life echoed back at me in a way that most media doesn't because a lot of it doesn't talk about famous people's stories. It talks about the romanticizing of broken love or romanticizing uh, some sort of struggle, right? It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just well, hypo- I think I think my problem with this is that it's, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but in the same way that like, I think a lot of like romance film, like chick flicks or whatever, yeah. right? Like, or even like princess stories and all this other stuff. It perpetuates an unrealistic idea of love. Yes. That I think is more harmful than it is helpful. Yes. And because it's like, if you can't deal with me at this, then you don't deserve me at my best or whatever, right? Like these gross ideals that are like framing themselves as female empowerment. But like, really, it's like, no matter what a relationship is about, when you get to the core of it, it's like about acceptance and about growth and about like compatibility and about all this other stuff. And it's not always roses. And it's all like, you know, but like, just the romanticization of shit like this is just, for me, so tired. It's hella tired. It's also unrealistic. And it also makes for oftentimes bad stories or unrealistic stories. And because a lot of people and like this isn't like a I'm critical of media so I know this it's none of that it's a lot of people don't necessarily digest a lot of media and like cinema and television shows where they have these romanticized versions of what love quote unquote is or what relationships are and all that because without that critical eye if you're just digesting it for what it is it becomes this sort of reiterative idea that that's how I should live that's how I should love that's how I should exist I should wait to be discovered. I should 
fight with my partner all the time because that's what love is. If we're not fighting, we're not in love or I should do this because that's... It. It's the normalization of the ideal and the behavior. Exactly. And it's a normalization of extremes within it, right? For cinema, for drama, for because we're all dramatic. For, for drama, right? Like it's this hyper sensationalized version of what the nuances of reality are. And by seeing that, I think that consumption of it teaches people that that's what is reality when it's not in fact. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And, it's a hu- and that's the, the, it's just that, which is the problem. And I think this movie just exemplifies that in so many areas, in so many ways. I, yeah, I think what it does is it distorts people's perception of reality. Yeah. And, what, and again, expectations and, you know, hello, we both did that, right? You yeah, know, like, right. Yeah. What is it going to be like to be a musician and yeah. like, you know, all this other stuff. But like, yeah, I think uh, just the normalization of these types of things and this measure of success and like, you know, this is what's going to happen and all of that. I think that... Yeah, again, it's more harmful. And I think we're getting to a point to where we're able to kind of see through that and to talk about what success is and what it is to each of us. And we're able to like uh, maybe nuance that a little bit um, yeah. rather than just, you know, like have this idea of like, oh, cool. Like, so this is what success is and what it looks like. But yeah, this movie's garbage. It's tired. <laughs> yeah, it's, hell- it's hella tired. Uh, I want to talk about, um, first of all, I really do want to acknowledge the fact that Barbara Streisand or Esther, her group was called the Oreos and it was called the Oreos because there was two black women that were singing with her and she was the main singer. She was the center. Yeah. And I really hated that. So that kind of shit. Why is that necessary? Just like a fun little race joke? Like what? So it's not adding anything. Why is it here? Apart from just acknowledging that there are people of color here. Yeah. And it wasn't even like, I I don't even think they had like any lines other than singing. Like, so it wasn't, it wasn't like they were actual characters. It was, they were background. They were props. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, I hated that. Yep. Um, So I needed to mention that. Um, I also wanted to talk about one thing that I think the movie unintentionally did well that you know is Ooh, kind drag of them. more of a conversation <laughs> right now i know it's like the one thing that you guys I'm like, did this right i don't think you meant it but i think Thanks. it's also like nowadays and like the internet culture and stuff like that it takes on a whole new meaning or like you know we're exploring or like understand it a little bit more yeah. is a uh, toxic fandom so let's go back to the scene where um the main guy is ruining uh, the Oreo Esther's show. performance. Yes. Yeah. And the guy comes up for the photo. And clearly this dude is jealous because his girlfriend thinks that he's hot or like loves like what he does and all this, right? And so he wants to confront that with violence or with aggression to prove himself like chest puffed. Hey, my girlfriend loves you. Go up there and sing a song. Like without her buying your records, you would be nothing. She supported you. She, she's the reason. She fucking bought your clothes that you're wearing right now. Yeah. She, like, she afforded you these things. She owns you is what he was saying. And so because she owns you and because she supports you, you are going to do what she says or what I say because that's my money or whatever the fuck was his thing. Get on stage and sing a song. Yeah, it was um, I own you. And I thought that was really interesting. 
And then there's like another part. Again, he gets the motorcycle, right? <laughs> like from the fan, like his fan kisses him on the mouth and he's like, yeah, you can take my bike. You can have it. Whatever. Yeah, it's yours. Right? Yeah. It's yours. It's chill. And like he takes the bike and he goes out on stage and he's like doing donuts on stage. And I just saw like all the chords and I was like, oh my God, this is going to end so fucking bad. Yeah. And then he falls off stage and like his response to like, why the fuck did you do that? Is he's like, I'm giving them what they want. To that end, like he's trying to excuse his behavior for how he acts and the things that he does and all of these extremes that he, you know, perpetuates throughout the movie because it's what the fans want and that's what he gives them. Yeah. You know. Again, not taking ownership of his own actions. It's a, it's your fault that I'm this way. It's not my fault. It's your fault. Well, but he only does it when it's convenient for him, if you yeah. notice. Like, that's another way that he's using in order to, like, escape blame and all that other stuff, like you said. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's trash. I hate him so much. I hate that. I hate that mentality. I just, uh, I don't even know how to get into this without just being mean and angry about the just the idea of not taking ownership of your shit, of not taking ownership of your actions, your like reactions, the way you respond to things, the way you like own your stuff, own your feelings, own your power, own it. It's you. You can fail and you can fuck up, but like stop blaming other people. And specifically like for him in this case, stop blaming women. You're shitty. Yeah. Like in every instance that had anything to do with sex or love or whatever, it was always the woman's fault who's tangentially tied to this person. But then at the Grammys, when it's like the second performance that he ruins for her, right? Yes. She starts to blame, like this is, for me, this was like one of the saddest parts is she started to blame herself for him ruining her moment. Like she was saying, is it something that I've done? Uh, you don't know how good you are. Is it me? What have I done wrong? And like trying to find out why he did this because clearly she caused it. Yeah. And that was just like another moment where like she's just like, she's so far gone that I don't, feel like she can be redeemed and at the end of the movie she ends up because like jackson kills himself right and like so of course like everybody that thought he was an asshole before which he was is now saying like oh he was great and he was good dude and blah 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 right yeah and like so all of the negative and bad things and shitty things that he's done in his life are now fucking erased she her final act because i think the whole time she's the singer esther hoffman she introduces herself to the audience before singing this ballad about her dead husband as Esther, insert his last name here. And yeah. I was like, cool. So now she's completely erased who she was before. And now she's just so far gone. And so like taken aback by like what happened and she blames herself and all this other stuff. And I was just like, great. That's how this ends. Yeah. Chill. I love that. <laughs> The idea of ownership manifests itself after his death, <laughs> where yeah. she embraces the fact that, like, she's his in death, I'm his, and let's mourn together, which is like, yeah, death sucks and death is sad, but fuck this guy. This guy's an asshole. This guy was trash. He was abusive. He was manipulative. He could have talked about his feelings at any moment. He could have. He could have been honest. He could have talked about how... He's feeling sad or he's feeling jealous or he's feeling uncomfortable. He could be vulnerable even. Oh, my God. And I'm being vulnerable. Anytime that like Esther tries to because she asks a couple times like, yeah. hey, how are you feeling? <laughs> hey, what's up? He's like, you're cute. Or he's like, you talk a lot. Yes. Like, and I'm like, 
No, she's trying to get you to talk. You, she's trying to get you to yeah. say something. So, yeah, men are the worst. Uh, generally, largely, men are the worst. This is a this very is, good, clear example of some shitty guy who we're supposed to like who's a piece of shit and is, like, bad in all the wrong way. Or, like, just bad. He's just a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's a bad Billy guy. Billy Eilish wrote a song about him. This, God damn it. Everything about this movie was bad. It, was, it sucked. <laughs> it's not a good movie. <laughs> It's not good. Also, editors, figure it out. <laughs> oh my god! Because that intro atrocious. scene at the fucking concert was like twenty five fucking minutes. This movie Why? was all yeah. It was so long, and then like some of like the scenes where they're fucking because there's lots of scenes about that. Like mm-hmm. we're so it was so long. Well, they're like they're like fucking in the bath, and they're fucking on the bed, and they're fucking in the other room, and then they're oh, like wait, talking, and then-, and then they're back in the bath, and you're like. They're in the bath. Is this a software? Like, what are we doing? There's uh, candles on top of the beer cans. And I was also like looking at like that whole bath scene and I was like, is that comfortable? <laughs> I know. I know. It really. Yeah. Ugh. I hated it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. Jackson Maine, a famous alcoholic rock star struggling with hearing loss, stumbles into a local drag bar one night after his show. Allie, a frustrated songwriter working as a server, sings her ass off to some sick French song, and Jackson invites her out for another drink. Allie punches a cop, LOL, and sings a song in a supermarket (laughs) parking lot. Jackson Maine has a nose fetish, and they had a great night. The next morning, Jackson invites Allie to his concert and makes his personal driver follow her all fucking day until she says yes. She then quits her job and flies in a private jet to his concert with her BFF, sings on stage in front of hella people, and becomes an overnight success. A love story happens, and now they're married. As Allie rises to pop queen sensation, Jackson drives further into his addiction and self-sabotage. A bunch of shit happens, and he goes to rehab, but ultimately is unable to get past his sense of failure and kills himself. Allie sings a song... The, the end. Eh, 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 eh. I'm off the deep end. Watch as I dive in. Shit. I'll never leave the ground. <laughs> uh, Although I fucking, I will say, I absolutely love Shallow. I think it's a great song. Oh, it's a great it's song. It actually, um, it, it, it surpassed Michael Jackson's Thriller and became the second most award-winning song in music history with 24 awards uh, just behind Beyonce's Formation, which has 27 awards. Wow. That song is really fucking good. It's a great song. It's fucking great. It's great. It's and great. also, Bradley Cooper can actually Bradley sing. Bradley Cooper can actually he, sing. He did like a lot of vocal training for this mm-hmm. part, which yeah. is really cool because <laughs> it shows because like the last one, he's fucking terrible. <laughs> so. I love how much you hate Chris Christopherson. Oh my God, I fucking hate him. Was he like a, he wasn't a singer. Or, I don't know he, nothing about that motherfucker. Chris Christopherson was like hella famous. Cool. Yeah, again, who cares? He was not good. Yeah, he was not good in that movie. But yeah, Bradley Cooper can sing. Yeah, uh, that was a delight. That was a delight. I was I was also surprised. I liked his voice. I liked the songs, even like the Jackson Maine songs. They were solid. Yeah, they were fine. They were like they were As cool. somebody that like grew up with like classic rock and stuff. Yeah, I was like, cool. This this is chill. Like, yeah, I could listen to this. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was solid. Um, so I will off the top say this movie was fantastic the first 45 minutes of it were fantastic i thought as a movie the structure of 
her getting to that show. I mean, obviously there's some problematic shit that we'll get into, but her getting to the show where she flies in the private jet and then she performs. And then some of the post stuff after that, I was like, I'm interested in this story. I like this. I'm on board. There's a song, this song. Great. Cool. It was after they were touring and then she meets the producer guy. As soon as that moment happened, I'm like, oh, this is a mess. I don't like it. I don't know what's happening anymore. I don't know where they're going. And then the Ali solo stuff with like the pop. And then it's like a conversation about like pop versus country and like what's valid. And he's like, you're well, not. I mean, classic rock. Classic. Like, not country. It's kind of country. A I little mean, bit. Well, I guess. Yeah. Because I do think that that opening scene is him performing at Stagecoach. Because it is obviously like a Coachella. It is. They actually recorded all this at Coachella. It was actually Coachella that they did all this stuff at. Yeah. So they had people who were there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I figured. But yeah, that's just my hot. That That's my take. That's your hot ass take. Off the top. I also love that there were drag queens in this. Willem and Shangela of mm-hmm. RuPaul's Drag Race are fantastic. And they were in it and they did such a great job. I love that Shangela even did a personal plug because she has like part of her catchphrase is she's a professional. Uh-huh. Like I'm professional. I'm a prof- oh, she's a pro. I'm a professional pro. Like that's her thing. <laughs> and so they're in the back and something's going on with one of the other girls and she's just like get it together girl. This is a professional show. And I was just like, oh, cuz I think her and Willem wrote their own dialogue or they They did. They so were, they yeah. they weren't originally they didn't really have a lot of lines or anything mm-hmm. and then they were just so funny and fun they were great and yeah that bradley cooper who also i think he directed and mm-hmm. started and yeah. did all the sh- he did everything for this movie yeah he was like oh, okay you guys just do your own thing and we'll like work around it but because like that was one of the best parts of the movie it was, was that they it was were fucking great. cute and i love how they were like celebrating a lot of the diy and drag too like it's like oh this guitar like you do it yourself he's like hell yeah i did like yeah. you know well, even though it was like a acoustic gresh white falcon oh, which sure. is like expensive yeah. as fuck i'm like uh, queen calm but down then put like a bunch of like <laughs> shitty rhinestones <laughs> And then, some like, painted, like, some rhinestones. rose on it and yeah. shit. I was like, love this. Garbage. Love this so much. Yeah. I also like that she said, when he's singing, he's like, oh, where do you want me to be or something? She's like, I don't care as long as you look at me while you do it. Hell yeah. I was like, oh, my God, Willem, you're Sign my titties. I know. Sign my tits. <laughs> Which, like, all of that, those bits were, I. it was just, it was fun. When I saw this for the first time, I was like, this is great. This is great. <laughs> also... Ali's best friend, I forget his name. Yes. But he was from Hamilton in the original, the Lin-Manuel version of it, right? He was Hamilton's son. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was like, that's where I know him from. Good for him. Yeah, Yeah. he was great. I loved it. He was great. That whole sequence of like- I like that they kept him in the movie throughout it. Even if he wasn't like a main part or anything, you still see like she's nervous in the bathtub about like her new look and stuff. And he's like, no, you look great. You look great. Like, And he's the person that is brought in. He's still there, even if he's not a part of the narrative. They're friends and they remain friends throughout the entirety of her fame. And like even in the last moment, like after Jackson kills himself, he's the first person there the next day. And he's just like, yeah. do you want me to stay? I can stay. I can be here. Like, and- I'm here for you. This is important. And I know it. And I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the drag queens, too. Like, she's getting ready to, like, oh, go and off she and, like, do them? her. Yeah. And they're, like, FaceTiming in the bathtub yeah. and, like, all this other stuff. And it was just, like, so cute. And I love the celebration of the community. Yeah. And, like, yeah. It, they did a really good job with that, I think. They did. And I liked Gaga's character. She just felt very genuine. I think there was a lot less of that. 
Although it was still very much there, that gross garbage, like predatory shit. Apart from the stalking and all of that stuff, it was never, I feel like if there are winces of it, like when they have those arguments about how he's just like, you look fucking ugly. She's like, what did you just say? Mm. What did you just say to me? Like, Mm -hmm. instead of, whereas Streisand would just kind of ignore it and then move on and wouldn't really like comment on it or like come back with like a funny quip. She's just like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Say it Mm -hmm. again. Let's talk about it. And it's just like combating these small moments of like him being a fucking asshole. Yeah. Well, he was, he was significantly less of an asshole. Yes. Oh, like that was his only, like, so that is one thing that I liked is that his character was not founded on like treating women like garbage and like treating his fans like garbage and everything like he had like a genuine love of what he did and for the people around him and stuff like that he just instead of like drugs being his main thing it was his hearing but then like also his alcoholism too and like at one point i i did not give a fuck about like i (laughs) i was like cool you're losing your hearing wear your fucking inners like whatever like I have no sympathy for you. Your brother's literally like, you're on stage, put these on. And he's like, no. And he's like, you're an idiot. Yeah. like (laughs) You're being foolish. He is like, (laughs) you know, his form of self-sabotage in this film was more subtle. Yeah. Because that was absolutely self-induced. Oh, 100%. It was. And I think this movie had way more to say about the idea of sort of inherited trauma from like being young and like these two brothers now, one is sort of like kind of residually idolizing his dad whereas the others like our dad fucking sucked like Mm -hmm. please acknowledge it our dad was trash he didn't treat us well we had to look out for each other and that's that i'm glad he's gone like he Mm -hmm. was not a good guy so this idea of compartmentalizing that trauma that existed at such an early age but confronting that in a way where it's like music is an outlet but also um, self-medicating as a means of dealing with that kind of trauma and dealing with that what that trauma then will oftentimes spin into depressive episodes and, and and internal struggle, right? But then was it actually dealing with it? Because, like, I, I mean, no, like, yeah. it really take it takes him going to rehab to realize that he didn't idolize his dad. He actually his idolized his brother. brother. Yeah. So I feel like that was another form of escapism. Yes. And I feel like they did a much better job this time of, of showing that, like, that alcohol was an escape for him. Yeah. And that this was an escape and, you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah, it. It was a conversation, whereas the last one didn't have the conversation. They showed you the picture of it. They didn't talk about the picture, you know? And so that's, I really, I appreciated that in this. And it just made me more invested in the story. Generally, I was more willing to be like, oh, I want to see the nuance of this character because, yeah, this character is kind of shitty sometimes, but is also like kind of okay and like going through his own stuff. And I want to know about this person. I want to know what's going on with them, right? Mm -hmm. I'm interested. I'm involved. Yeah. I'll, I'll fuck with this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas the other one was just like, no, these people, these people suck. The other one was just like, I don't give a shit about anybody. And yeah, you're right. Like, I think a lot of it too was the way that the characters were framed and the way that they opened the conversation. And yeah. like, even if they didn't want to go into like an idea fully yet, they would give you little snippets of it, right? Like breadcrumbs to like string you along. Or like, there was always a part of the movie where you were engrossed in. Like, yeah. and there was like a clear idea and a clear motive behind the scene and behind behind the conversation and behind whatever is going on um so i did like that i liked that there was more people of color even if even if they weren't main roles you know they still at least existed in this 
you know? In a way that they didn't exist in the last. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by and large, I liked this film better, but I still didn't really like it. Yeah. I still think it's garbage. Well, you brought something up <laughs> earlier that I didn't recognize is that there are no women in this movie. Gaga's the like, only one to some extent. <laughs> like, really... All of the conversations are with her and another man or other men. Like, her mother's not there. It's her dad and all of her dad's friends who are all male. Bradley Cooper, who's a man. These drag queens who are biologically men. Like, not to, again, gender's a construct, obviously. And I like that they're playing with gender. And I like that it was, like, queer by including drag queens. But in that gay bar, we're seeing largely male bodies. Mm -hmm. The producer, a man... Almost everybody she interacts with is man. Her best friend. A guy. Her best friend. Like, everybody. Her dad's friends, the driver, the this. Like, they the could have yeah. made – that driver could have been a woman. Yeah. You know? Like, it, what what characters could we have swapped out? Like, and it would have been fine, you know? And, like, I think part of the reason they had her surrounded by so many men was to build tension because who is allowed to protect her and who – who has ownership over her is what it felt like. So her dad, right? Is it her like, dad, her friend, or her love, or her husband, or right? her manager, like, or her manager? Because exactly. her manager, like you could argue that the reason that Jackson finally kills himself is because her manager goes up and is like, "Look, we're not friends, and you're fucking bad for her." Yeah. And so he, like, instead of offering some sort of like constructive criticism or something like that, he intimidates him and says, "You're bad for her. You're holding her back, and you're making her look like a fucking." joke so they talk about how he struggled with suicide previously yeah or an attempted suicide i should say so it wasn't out of the blue what he did right and how how his narrative ended but i would have liked to see him rather than just you know dying by suicide i would have liked to see him take that and be like okay i love her I'm going to help her fix this, you know, and and using that as motivation to be better rather than to remove himself from the equation. Exactly. And I know we're trying to retell the same story. And in these other stories, this happens. But that doesn't have to be the case. But by doing that, you make the story about the man. Exactly. You make the story back about him where he's like, it's my story, whatever. And then also, I just don't like this this idea that like it's it low-key romanticizes suicide. Mm-hmm. And I hated it. I hated that so much where it's like, well, I've tried and I can't try anymore. Because it's like, yeah, I understand that like depression is a real th- like, fuck. And so it, like th- these, it's all there. But why are we showing this? Why are we ta- like, <sighs> talk to her, talk, be vulnerable and be like, just there. <sighs> That didn't have to be the ending, and I don't like that that was the ending. Even they, though we're retelling this that story where that happens, like, we still don't have to do that. They still didn't talk, you they know, talk. For, this, for this great relationship that they're supposed to, or this, like, super couple or whatever. Like, she cancels her European tour and just tells them, like, oh, they decided that I'm going to do this. Like, they're both lying to each other all the time about yeah. everything. Yeah. And, like, still trying to be like, oh, but we're in love. And it's like, to me, neither of these films felt like love. It felt like lust. This felt like another, this felt like puppy love. Yeah. And it's supposed to be framed as, like, that sort of romantic love that we were talking about, like, that ideal or whatever, you know? Well, also, because, like, he's he's butted up against this idea that he's failed not only himself, but everyone around him, especially after the conversation that he has with her producer, where he's like, you're an embarrassment. 
And when the day finally comes where she decides to leave you, I'm waiting for that because it's coming. And again, that goes back to who gets ownership of her. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then at that same token, like, to me, it felt like he did what he did. Like, he, he killed himself because of her. Because he was being a martyr at that. And that's how his death was treated. And that's how, like, you know, it wasn't a platform to talk about mental health or anything. It was like, cool, this is it. Yeah. I've lost my chance. I failed. So I'm just going to go now. That feels gross. It does feel gross. Like, I want more, like, transformative narratives where it's like, cool, I have this choice. Like, I, I feel like if you wanted to still go down that road, you could, like, have shown him contemplating it. And then him making the active decision to be better and to go back to rehab or to actually open up and talk to his wife about what he's struggling with and how he's doing and stuff like that and use the resources that he he has around him. And you could have shown that because that's not easy at all. No. But like. (sighs) You can frame it differently and you can have a different narrative happen. Again, like. Just by doing that, it's kind of like this quote-unquote hero's journey where this is the ultimate end. No. It's ha- like a noble act. It's And yeah, and it's not it noble. Framed. Yeah. And it's-, it's so far from it. So fucking stop. Like, change. Just, it didn't need to be there. And I was so mad that that's what happened. And that was the end of the story. Especially for somebody who's so obviously going through a lot and is dealing with a lot of mental illness. To then, quote-unquote, fail her... But that failure is coming from somebody who doesn't know how to communicate with his partner. And the times that he's trying to tell her, like, keep your honest voice, it's coming from a place of jealousy where he's, like, mad that she's gaining success and that she's not doing country classic rock music. Mm -hmm. And this goes into that whole conversation about the pitting of the dichotomy of, like, it's either this or that, and that's it. And if you're not this, you're that, and that's a problem for me. Baby shit. That's bullshit. No. So the fact that, like, his conversations with her, trying to steer her back into the direction trying that to be he real yeah, and get her back to real, yeah. whatever real is, but the real to him, like, so your genre is real. Is that the conversation? Like, he thinks the facade of pop music is frivolous and empty, and that emotional, palpable creativity is directly tied to the music that he plays because he can't think outside of his own perspective and like well i make emotional music i make music that means something that doesn't mean anything because i don't like it and you're like you're foolish you're a child you're a baby this is so simple and so so misguided and those conversations he has with her i'm just like you're what no like it was him trying to control her it was him trying to control her exactly and it's just it's so silly and i hated that like again that second half of the movie that's the large conversation about like him trying to be a martyr and he's like our quote unquote hero. He's struggling. The only times he talks to his wife are when he's trying to control her, when he's trying to tell her that she's doing the wrong thing, which stems directly from the fact that she's gaining success and he's bummed about it and bummed that it's not success that he helped create. It's success that she created. Right. And that's another thing. So again, the men in the film are trying to like, you know, have control over her, but they're all pushing her. Yes. In one way or another. Yeah. Her dad is pushing her out the fucking door, right? To go marry a rich man or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> then Jackson pushes her 
to date him and pushes her to the concert, pushes her to the stage, pushes her to record, pushes her to like to be a songwriter. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the manager comes in for that male tension. Right. And he pushes her to like fulfill her wildest dreams and all this potential and pushes her out of the shadow of Jackson, but also pushes her into his idea of what she should be. And so then by Jackson committing suicide by dying by suicide he pushes her past the embarrassment of being married to him so even in that final act of his i feel like that was him trying to push her into a direction that she needs to go yeah and so everybody is pushing her to all of these different places and locations and she just like she doesn't really she doesn't have a lot of ownership in it and the only ownership she really had was that when she was at her job and she was like fuck you, boss. And he's like, fuck you. And she's like, okay, I quit. Yeah. That's the only time she's like, cool, great. I'm taking myself out of a bad situation. Bye. But also under the guise of understanding that a car is waiting for her outside to take her to this concert. Right. So was it really... Because <laughs> that is influencing the decision 100% as well, right? Oh, 8,000%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, you're absolutely right. It's It's men just pushing her to do all these things. And then also... The male tension between the producer and Bradley Cooper, but then also the tension between Bradley Cooper and her dad in that moment when he pisses his pants on stage. Oh, yeah. Also, Halsey was the one giving the award. And I was like, I forgot Halsey yeah. was in this. I love that. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? That's sick. Um, When they're on stage, he pisses his pants. And it's like super embarrassing is a mess. That night afterwards, her dad's like almost beating him up, like carrying him into the house and just like, that's my daughter, you fucking asshole. Like you're ruining her life and blah, blah, blah. And like, so now butting up against her dad, having ownership of her and her image, Bradley Cooper, who's trying to control her image in the same way where like she's going this other direction. He's like, no, that's not who you are. That's not truth. That's not who I, how I see you and how I see you is the only truth. And then the other guy... The producer who's seeing her this other way. Like, again, it's exactly what you're saying. Everybody's telling her what she needs to be. Yeah. And they're not letting her decide what she wants to be. And the only thing that she's decided that she wants to be is a song. And it's the best song of the fucking movie. The song that she wrote. Well, actually, no. Never mind. I'm going to take that back. She didn't orchestrate that. She wrote those little bits. And then he finished the song for her. Oh, yeah. The only... Which is... Let's all let Jackson Wayne. What is his name? I'm thinking it's Jackson Maine. Jackson, so you're you're combining the two, and it's super cute. Jackson Maine needs to calm down. Like that's her song. I know you're trying to be romantic, but like that's just fucking. Ask her how she feels. Ask her if you can use it. Ask just like talk. Like use your words. Use your words. You foolish. But this man. is how he sleeps. This is part of the ro- uh, the unrealistic romance that I was talking about. It's unrealistic romance. Also, and it's, it's also so, this like so creepy uh, that he sent a car to literally fault like to stalk her until she decided that she was going to come to the show. Yeah, that was fucking creepy, it was. and I hated it was that creepy. so much. Mm-hmm. That is that kind of low key like I want you, so I'm going to have you. No matter how you feel, you're going to be mine and it's going to happen. So it's like Dracula predatory behavior. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like in his castle. He's like, one day, blah, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> but yes. I wanted to talk about how um, in both of these films, the woman is off put by the man who's being so forward until she realizes that he's famous and witnesses his fame. 
and his wealth and his power and what that can do. Like either she goes to a concert and she's there watching him or she gets in a private jet or she does this. But like, you know, at first it's like if they were not famous or if they did not have that type of wealth, like fuck off. They don't give a shit, right? Like, yes. you want to come over to my house for pizza in the morning? Fuck the fuck off. Get out of here, yeah. right? You want me to quit my job so that way I can go watch your fucking band play? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think so. Like Barbara Streisand in the first one was like, hey, you need to shut the fuck up because this is my show, right? Yeah. And then she's like, oh, he's a famous guy, right? Yeah. Because she didn't know that. And then in this one, I thought it was really creepy when Jackson went backstage and he was like, it felt like he was exoticizing her a little bit because he's like, can I take off your your eyebrow? eyebrow? Yeah. Like, oh, that's paint. It didn't seem like anything other than just like, extreme fascination with like wow this is weird and different you know oh yeah uh and i thought that that was really creepy and she didn't know who this guy was like you know everybody else is freaking out but she's like who the fuck is this guy right yeah and it wasn't until he sings on stage that she's like oh okay i'll give him a shot but like you could tell that she's kind of like she's super hesitant and she's like i i didn't feel like she was on board well she does there are moments when he is backstage as he's like, I can't believe Jackson Maine is here. Like, she's not like super, I'm on board with this. She's a little off put, but she's still kind of like, you're Jackson Maine. Like, mm-hmm. she knows who he is. I think at the moment that she lays down on the bar, I think that's when she's like, oh, fuck. I know this person. Because uh, then when he comes backstage, it's almost an immediate thing. Like, she knows and also all the girls know. That he's famous and they're all kind of, that's when mom's like, sign my tits, please. Mm-hmm. And like, Shangela's doing her thing and like, let the man talk. He's only interested in Gaga and Gaga's like, I can't believe you're talking to me. Cause I do think that she says, I can't believe I'm talking to Jackson Maine. Cause then she says it again at the bar. I think. But that, still, like, would you let some dude that's trying to like hit on you, like, come up and be like, let me take off your eyebrow. If he wants to give me thousands of dollars, yes. Right. Right. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm just kidding. But, but, it, but it's because he has wealth and fame that yeah. they're willing to go on with this weird fucking behavior. Yeah. Oh, no. It is it is that bizarre uh, behavior of famous people. Like, you can kind of just do whatever you want. The idea that, like, no matter what you do, people are fine with it because yeah. you're famous. Like, it's accepted that you can be an asshole or be dismissive or be entitled or be all of the above because people know who you are. Right. You know, which is gross and trash. Um, I don't like that. So she's going to the bar and like, I can't believe I'm having a drink with Jackson Maine. I can't believe I'm here. But then the next day she's at home with her dad and her dad's like, what did he say? I can't believe this. And she's like, I don't look at celebrities like you do, dad. I don't idolize them like you do. And you're like, no, queen, you were just talking to him about how you can't believe he's talking to you and how you can't believe he's here. Like, Uh, man, I want to talk about um, the fight that they have where he's like trying to express to her some vulnerability. I think I wrote down verbatim. Wait. Oh, when they're looking at the billboard. He's like, if you don't dig deep in your fucking soul, you don't have legs. If you don't tell the truth out there, you're fucked. And so he's kind of saying it to her as a means of saying he feels like she's being fake with this new persona. If you don't mm-hmm. tell the truth, it's like, what is true? Like, that's so relative and so subjective. Like, yeah, you can just say you don't like pop music. Stop it. Like, stop. You can just say you're mad that she's getting successful and you have nothing to do with it. You can say that. 
You can be open because your feelings, sure, they're valid. Feel them. But yeah. be honest about what that feeling is. Don't try to spin it as some kind of conjecture to prove this point about honesty and truth and music because you don't have the capacity to see anything outside of the scope of genre or the scope of personal self-fulfillment that you have and the weird tie to that creative venture that you make for yourself in your own head. No, it's one of these things where he's pinning that again on her. It's her fault. It's her fault that she's getting this success and he doesn't like where she's going. So you better tell the truth out there. Otherwise you're going to fail. And you know what the truth is? I know what it is. It's my stuff. It's what I've been doing. It's what you were doing. And if you're doing something else, that's fake and you're going to fail. Well, and it's Fuck like off, he's just so buddy. mad at himself <laughs> and whatever's happening that he's like, he then starts taking out his jealous, like his, not even just jealousy, but like his own personal, like feelings that he was feeling even before her mm-hmm. on her. He starts punching down at her. And like the, the big fight that they had in the bathtub, the bathtub. was pretty much like, him saying, I don't know why you were nominated for a Grammy. Like, I'm trying to figure out why you were nominated and I failed you. You're embarrassing. I know. He's calling it a cry for attention, yeah. uh, which is like all of this stuff is so gross because this is exactly what men say about women that are confident and like, you know, show a little skin because they want to for them or whatever, you know, anytime that we claim something for ourselves that's on like, oh, you're just doing it for attention. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that as like a female artist and which is like fuck you it's 100 percent true you. and fuck it's power you it's, it's power the men can't control yeah and then he calls her okay he says that his dad is more talented than his wife and then he says that she's ugly and yes when he knows that that's gonna strike a nerve like he's just trying to get a reaction right and then like later on his way of saying sorry was I might have said some things. He never actually says sorry until he goes to rehab. Yep. You know, which at least he says sorry. However, this whole thing is fucked. And this is like going back to what you were saying about like the real music or about this old aging white man's view of what the world and music and all of these things should be. This whole film is feel bad for old people because they're losing their hearing and they have lessons to teach you or whatever. Like it frames him and his opinion as the right way and the right thing. And he gets validated in that. And it's never questioned. It's never questioned. And even in that conversation, when he's arguing with her, he says, you're ugly and I know that you're not. You're being ugly and I know that you're not. What kind of emotional manipulative abuse shit is that? You're being ugly right now. And I know, me, I know you're not ugly. So you need to act how I want you to act. You fucking asshole like nobody is, else thinks you're pretty but i know but that I, you're pretty. i know that you're pretty and you oh need to God. show people that like, like one of my high school boyfriends <laughs> i do i will say i do love her in the fight though her responses to it she says you're my boyfriend and he's like really boyfriend you have another boyfriend she's like no you're my boyfriend i mean you're my husband he's like so i'm just your boyfriend now she's like yeah you're my boyfriend if you don't treat me like your wife yeah i did like that line and then he's like i don't even know what that means and she's like it means you're messy and you need to clean it up (laughs) (laughs) no it means clean your shit up you're messy (laughs) and i was like yeah (laughs) yes yes to that i like it go away he's the worst and i just it's the pushing, it's the ownership, it's the prodding, it's the manipulation that's just so toxic and gross. And that whole second half of the movie with all of this stuff where this person who's so struggling in so many ways, like, 
he still sucks. Like he's still a misogynist piece of shit who wants to control and own her, own her image, own her sexuality, own her body, own her power, own her personality. He wants to own every facet of he her. He wants her talent he more wants, than anything. He wants her talent. And that that's really in both of these films, he falls in love or he's infatuated, I'll say. Yeah. With her talent. And in yeah. the first one it's because he doesn't have any talent of his own. Yes. But um but like, yeah. You hear so- that, Chris? <laughs> you hear that shit? You hear that? <laughs> At me. I'm never on Twitter. I won't see your response. I won't see your tweet. <laughs> um, it's also interesting how they, the different responses between the last film and this one on like how they deal with things. Yeah. So like the first one, any sort of conflict was dealt with, with like violence. And in this one, his way of dealing with the first fight, right, when he gets blackout drunk after SNL or whatever, and then... Which was fun. Which was great. Like, you know, Dave Chappelle finds him in the bushes, like you do, right? Yeah. And she comes to get him, and she's like, I'm not going to get you again. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to clean up your mess again. And his way of saying sorry was making a ring out of a guitar string and being like hey will you marry me and then they get married that same day same day and they're only surrounded by mostly people they don't know i'm assuming and and they're all people of color yeah so So, i know that so that was i did like Dave Chappelle, like just the fact that I like Dave Chappelle's character, his character and his family, yeah, that and like was their great. daughter, his wife, like they were great, and I like that they were part of the story. I I don't know that that scene was cool. I liked the scene a lot, but that act of proposing to her was such a like. Rather than say sorry, he's going to put a ring on it, and then <sighs> she will have to clean it up again because she's his wife. Yeah, he's the worst. He has he no. Yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to point out like how it was really tropey to make Dave Chappelle's character, uh, who's a person of color, the voice of wisdom in this. That's a trope that too yeah. often gets used. Yes. Um but I didn't I liked um that his character was like about like he found his own success and he didn't necessarily it did for him like he went on tour and he did his thing and that's cool but he loves his family and this is yeah. where he's at and he still plays music but he plays for himself now yeah and he's he doesn't have to prove to anybody else that he's worth a damn yeah but like his character is also showing how far jackson has gone because like He's like, it's been forever since I've seen you. Like, he's not, like, keeping up with his friends in the same way that Allie's keeping up with hers. Like Gaga. Right. Yeah. Like Gaga. Yeah. Um. So it's like, uh, again, like, who is fucking Jackson Maine to tell Allie how to do her music and how to be a person and how to exist in the world when he's never been loyal to any... Like, he fucked his relationship with his brother. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. He fucked his relationship with literally, like... Everybody that he comes all, into contact with. All his with, friends, yeah. You know, and then leaves them by the wayside. It's just like, I don't, I can't. Yeah. This dude. It's awful. I Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up that as a trope. The sort of the wise uh, black character as the voice of, of reason. I, again, it's just, it's the consumption of, of propifying a character. And like, this is a low key, but sort of high key version of that. The exoticizing wisdom of other cultures 
and sort of the mysticism that comes with it. Like it's, you're different. So you have different knowledge. You look different than I do. So you must have some insight. You must have something to say. It's, it's that othering of anybody who is not a Western white person. Like, yeah. 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 Well, and then like also looking back now, retrospectively, we've talked about all of these ranges of emotions with Jackson for sure, mm-hmm. right? What are Allie's ranges of emotions? She's the one that always has to be so much stronger than everybody else. She has to deal with Jackson. And like at a certain point, she's just like, oh, he does this all the time when he's like super drunk and stuff like that, right? Yep. And she like gets accustomed to like that behavior and she has to be strong enough to like take on being a pop star herself and dealing with her alcoholic husband and her overbearing dad and this and that and i was just like damn like i and like you don't see her break like you see her get mad mm-hmm. when you know he calls her ugly but you never see her break until he like dies yeah right? and then and, she has that hallway scene where she like and smashes which is understandable yeah. like that tracks 100 percent. yeah absolutely but like you know another example of like when women have to do all of the emotional labor for you and every other person in your fucking life, yeah. you know, uh, which for her, it's all men, mm-hmm. right? Yep. <laughs> of course. Um, but like, just trying to think of like how much depth there was to her. The more I think about the character of Allie, the more she was kind of a prop. This is supposed to be her story, but it's really about Jackson and it's about all of these men getting her to where they want her to be. And yeah. then, and she's there for them. And so it's weird, like, because... Again, all of the stars wanted to be in this and want, or were considered for this and everything, right? And, like, Gaga herself had even said that she she connected so much with Allie that, like, as soon as they were done filming, she had to dye her hair back. And she, like, because she got into character. Like, she yeah. didn't wear makeup for, like, a couple months before. So, like, through most of the film, like, she didn't wear makeup. It was mm-hmm. just a lip gloss or whatever. But, like, she said that she identified so fucking much with that character and like the character of the dad was written to be kind of like her dad you know so when she talks to him about carrying the piano up the stairs and stuff like that that's her talking to her dad and that's great but then like it's also like that character just felt so one-dimensional because she wanted something and then cool she's like escalating and escalating and she kind of falls in love but the movie was all about the emotional turmoil of jackson yeah, I mean, it was a Jackson-centric story. Like you said, it was it was a movie that was touted as being a story about her and sort of written to appear like it's a story written about her and for her, but it's not. It's about him and about his choices. And again, even in the end when he kills himself, it's a choice for her. Like, it's his choice. It's It has to do everything with her and even her reaction, her, her response post-mortem. It has everything to do with him. It's all centered around him. Like... He's now dead. Now she's grieving him. And now she's performing for him. Now she has his name. It's all for him. Mm-hmm. It was always for him. Yeah. And I think I might have gotten it wrong. I think in the first one, I don't know, maybe she does not in both. But in this one, for sure, Allie takes his last name at the very end. Yeah. It's just Allie. And then at the end, she's like, I'm Allie. I'm Allie Maine. Maine. Yeah. I keep wanting to say Wayne. <laughs> Allie Wayne. Jackson <clears throat> Wayne. Why do you keep saying Jackson Wayne? Uh, I don't know. But yeah, so like that's her her final act is she she sees that and like I I got super teary even though like I hated the ending and I hated what happened like her singing that like just I I 
broke down. So I will say, yeah, it was her singing it and then right there at the end cutting to him on the piano. The moment that like, she's like, what does this song sound like? And he's like, oh, let me play it for you. But then they cut away from it. And then after his death, she's singing the song that he wrote. And then they cut to what we didn't see, which was him playing that exact song on the piano for her. That was really sweet. Yeah, it got me. The first time I saw this, I wept. Yeah. 100%. It was like <laughs> so sad. So it's it's not to say that this movie doesn't have like it has levels but ultimately was messy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's a classic Hollywood story that was updated for modern times. Mhm. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. This is the end segment where we talk about the end stuff. This is where we talk about our feelings about the movies. Ooh, I was just saying, though, how wild would it have been if we had to watch all four? This is two. I don't know if I could have handled it. It would have been too much. I mean, nothing could probably be as bad as uh, the 1976 version. True. Because I would actually... I am very interested in seeing Judy Garland. Yeah, I am too. As this character. I do want to see it, and I probably will watch it. Um, I don't know who's the first in the first one. Because I'm just uncultured. I didn't get that far. Yeah, I'm just some uncultured <laughs> I there American. Was three, and then you told me there was four, and it fucking blew my mind. Well, that's when we were doing it, and I saw it on there, and I was like, "Wait, hold on." And then I looked it up, and it was like, "No, there's original, then Judy Garland, then Ben." And I was like, "Oh shit, Hollywood we can't do has all a four. Problem with this fucking movie. Oh yeah, they love this story. They love to see it. They love to see themselves in it. They want to be it. They want to relish it. Get out Cute. of Hollywood. I know, right? <laughs> all right. Give so- us all your money. Okay. Star is Born. Star is Born. 1976. 1976. Who was it for? It was for self-congratulatory misogynists. Who do you I, think it was for? I think it was for, yes, them, Hollywood, Barbara Streisand, for sure. Um, I guess Chris and Barbara were on set during, like, the new filming of A Star is Born just to, like, check it out and watch mm. because, like... For some reason, everybody has, like, a connection to these characters. Again, representation, all this other stuff, right? Yeah. So, super weird. Yeah. But cool, I guess. I wonder guess. what they had to say. I don't really care because they're... Like, <laughs> right. After, after <laughs> what they did with the story, I'm so <laughs> off. Uh, but anyways, yeah, that's who I think it was for. It was for Barbara Streisand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that tracks. Oh, man. Uh, did you like it? I didn't. I hated this yeah, movie. I will good. never, ever, ever watch this fucking piece of trash again. It really isn't a necessary watch. If you're following along to this podcast and you did watch it, we're I'm very sorry. sorry. Um, <laughs> but we owe you an apology. Yeah, we're sorry you had to watch this. It's not imperative to the cinema canon of the existence of films. It mm-hmm. is not. It's not important. So it's that. Yeah. Oh, man. What about the new one? Is it new and interesting or the same? Progressive, regressive, and has the story evolved with today's ideals? I, you know what? I'm going to say I think yes to all of those. I th- So I do think it was progressive in its storytelling about mental illness, about addiction. Because he actually goes to rehab. Thank you. Yeah, because he goes to rehab, but he also like it's it's more it's way more of a conversation. Other characters are like acknowledging it and 
she's talking to him about it to some degree, right? Like, it's a part of the thing. It's part of the narrative. So I think it was progressive in that sense. I think it held up to or, like, was reformatted with today's ideals, with, like, the whole pop music aspect. I think that that was just... It's the same story, right? Like, she's doing this. He's getting jealous. It's, like, different music, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? I, do you think it was? I think the last film was just so absolutely atrocious that anything compared to this would be progressive. Ooh. Or anything compared to the last one would be progressive. To the so, Anything compared to the 76 version. Yeah. Got it. Um, because I can't get over... That it was just men pushing her and wanting her to be whatever they wanted her to be. Yeah. Oh, you're going to dye your hair. So, because you need to dye your hair. Why? Because you have to. And then later on, he tells Jackson Wayne uh, <laughs> that it was her idea. Uh-huh. And yeah. I'm like, ew, these it's guys so, are gross. It's very gross. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think it could be regressive. I mean, it could be, but then Ooh. that would be an entire like a whole fucking episode just about that one but i think it evolved with today's ideals like you said like you know pop stars singing on snl chill Mm -hmm. you know like they shot it at coachella all the stuff whatever yeah sure that tracks but Mm -hmm. um it was new and interesting in certain ways like the first 45 minutes i love that they were in a gay bar i love Mm -hmm. that it was a drag show Mm -hmm. i love that you know that's but then after that, it just was boring and tired. Yep. Yeah, so. truly. I love the first 45 minutes. I will rewatch it. And I loved her going on stage singing Shallow. That song rips. And then her like making the choice to walk out there and then just like doing it and then like and owning being it. nervous and yeah. then like opening up to performing and just like killing it. I was like, this is great. This is a great movie. <laughs> but again, <laughs> it's like the first 45 minutes. I was like, yeah. And then everything else is like, what? So there's that. Who is this movie for? Uh, the gays. Yeah. Do I say that every time, every episode? <laughs> I don't know. But like I say that so often. Oh, God. O- only the good ones. That's only the good ones. Yeah. yeah. When it's a good movie, it's for the gays. God, that's so <laughs> gross. But I do think that this movie, with its inclusion of Willem and Shangela and the gay bar and Gaga as the lead, I do think it was for the gays. And even her pop songs, like one of her pop songs is a bop. Not the with an ass like that. Not oh, that yeah, song. Yeah. No. <laughs> the other one, it's about her hair, body, face. That's a great song. <laughs> it's silly as fuck, but in the same way that a lot of like really good fun pop songs are silly. Oh, for sure. They, it still hits. I would buy it. I would buy that single. I get it. I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think it was for? Um, I absolutely think that it was for the gays, too. And I love that. Hell yeah. Um, I also think that it was for people that want to see themselves. You know, like they want to be the person that's discovered at a gas station and all this other stuff, right? Yeah. It's for supermarket parking lot singers. Yeah. And uh, the first 45 minutes is for the gays. The (gasps) last part of the movie is for... It's for old people. It's for it's for <laughs> it's, it's for people that are like at the midlife crisis point to yeah. where they can like turn it around and have a fucking great rest of their life, or they can just be super regressive. It's it's they for, they have a choice. It's for existential crises havers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> did you like it? Uh yeah. The first forty five minutes were great. Did you like it? 
I don't think overall I liked the film. Okay. Because that Fair. ending just really pissed me off really fucking bad. Same. And I don't think that I can get over that. That fully tracks. It's a whole, it's a narrative, it's a film, so I fully I wanted more women in the movie. Yeah. I wanted uh, was- Allie to fucking make her own decisions and not just be like somebody that was pushed around and told what to be and what to do. Yeah. No, I fully agree. You bringing that up, the fact that she's like the only woman in this film, kind of. The I was last like, one, too. I was like, damn. Yeah, even, even still, yeah. In this 2018 one, they didn't even talk about the moms at all. Like, they talk about Jackson's dad. They talk about Allie's dad. Allie's dad's in there, but they don't talk about their mothers. Yeah. They don't talk about any other woman or anything. Like, Mm-mm. this is a movie for men. Yeah. So. Oh, no. Oh, the so, gays, it still works in that. It, it does. Because it- oftentimes gay is only used for <laughs> male body people. <laughs> God, sometimes it's a mess. Yeah, gays can be messy and problematic and all of that. Go listen to Bad Gaze if you haven't talked about it. Oh, my God. Seriously, it's such a... Did you listen to it? Have you listened to it? I've listened to a couple of episodes. Oh, my God. It's so good. There's a podcast called the Bad Gaze Podcast. Go just look it up. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This was fun. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We love you. We hope you like us, love us, gotta have us. All of it If above. you do, please rate our show and review us. It helps us um, get more listeners and feeds our egos a little bit. You can uh, send us your recommendations for episodes or questions or follow-ups or I don't know, whatever. Just say hello. Yeah. Um, Text uh, us, queen. Ooh. Uh, I'm not giving you my I'm number. I'm not giving my number either. Uh, <laughs> J-K-L-O-L. But you can write to us at nostalgiapodcast at gmail.com or we're on all of the social medias, either yeah. as Nostalgia Podcast or nostalgia.pod. Yes. Um, so you can find us there. We would like to thank David Tresero for providing technical support, Danny Barkley for editing our podcast, and is there anything else? Did I leave anything else out? No, I think that's it. Did, was there anything else? I don't think so. Except thank you. I think that's it. Thank you, thank Eric. Thank you, Jess. This, this is, is always a pleasure. I love this. This is great. Yeah. And we will see you next week. We don't know what we're doing yet. But we'll but know we by then. Bye. We'll leave clues. Bye. Bye.